It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 708. 72 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden, my friends. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I am here to help you be more successful. All you got to do is decide what you want to do to be more successful. Maybe you want to have a first-time vegetable garden. You've never done it before. Want to have some details about what to do to start out? Sure, I can tell you how to do that. If you have a lawn question about fescue, it's almost fescue planting time, and you want to get ahead of the, ahead of the game a little bit, Give me a call. All you have to do is dial 404-872-0750. Talk to Ashley Frasca for just a second. Get your name on the list here, and you will be on your way. Let's go to Paul at Milton, Georgia. Hey, Paul, good morning. Welcome to Lawton Garden. Hey, Walter. Good to talk to you. Hey, Enjoy Paul. your show. What's up? Hey, I have my dad has the age-old problem of bamboo. His oh, neighbor yeah. has, got, has got a vertical stand on the other side of the fence, and it comes under my dad's fence. And I've gone online, and I've seen how to dig the ditch, like, along the property line. Yeah. But what do I put in the ditch to keep them from coming across? A couple of things. Not? You need something. I think it needs to be more than 24 inches deep or the ditch needs to be okay. deep enough to hold something more than 24 inches wide okay. and the two products that i've seen that work um i think pretty well one is a commercial rubberized uh, thick rubber stuff you buy it i don't remember the name of the company but they're in birmingham or somewhere over in alabama if you just google bamboo birmingham or bamboo control okay. alabama uh, you'll get their place. They have videos of how to install it, and you know, they order it from them, and you get it and dig the ditch and put it in. The other way to do it is to make a fiberglass fence yourself from the, what do you call that stuff, corrugated fiberglass they use for roof, uh, you know, over your shed and over your back patio and things like that. You get it from the big box stores. And this fiberglass um, corrugated roofing, use a jigsaw and cut it into pieces, uh, let's say 36 inches wide. The whole sheet itself is about eight feet long, but you cut it into pieces 36 inches long. And then bolt them end to end together. So it makes a very flexible fence. So it can be wound around in curves and things around your dad's property at the fence line. And again, dig a ditch 36 inches or maybe 34 inches deep, leave a little bit of the fiberglass above ground, drop it down in there, backfill on both sides and the bamboo roots will not go through fiberglass they will not go through that rubber stuff either right okay okay all right well he's got when when we do that the all the horizontal uh runs that are under the ground yeah. in his yard will they die or no. will they... <laughs> that's the second part paul part number one keep them from coming into his yard anymore Part number two, kill everything that's in his yard already, which they will not die. No, you have to keep, Dad has to go out there and every four or five days really get a machete yeah. or a lawnmower or something. Just chop it, spray it, get the leaves off of it. Don't let those roots ever have any leaves on them to keep them from photosynthesizing, to starve them to death. That'll take probably a year before he gets all of them dead. Mm, okay. <laughs> you could go over there and help him, Paul. You know, you could always help. 
I do, I do. Oh, I go. I cut a bunch of bamboo. You and the machete and your dad out there have a little bonding time. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for your help. We'll do it. Good luck with that ditch, Paul. It will be a deep one. <laughs> you will regret this. You'll regret whoever planted that bamboo in the first place. Will get a piece of your mind about every time you go out to try to to control it. But that is the deal. You got to keep it from spreading, and you got to kill what you have on your side of the line as well. Okay. All right. All right. Sounds good. Thanks Thank for you. calling, Paul. We'll see you soon. We got John and Griffin who joins us in Lawn and Garden. John, how you doing? Good morning. I'm hey, fine. How about you? Doing right well, John. How can I help? I have got a spot that I planted some knockout roses. Yeah. And I knew when I planted them, they probably would not do good because it's probably 80% shade. Oh, man. They, yeah. They grow. They grow. You know, but they don't bloom much, and the, the vines are not that, uh, the bushes are not that good. I would like to plant something there that is colorful that I don't have to replant every year. Hmm. Pieris is an idea. P-I-E-R-I-S. Pieris. It's about the same size as a knockout rose. It grows yeah, from about a foot and a half as you buy it from the nursery. It'll grow to two or three feet in a couple of years and has pretty white, bell-shaped, sort of blueberry-looking flowers on it. Pieris is one, John, to put in deep shade. Um, what else blooms in the shade? Lucothwe, maybe. Uh, la, 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 la. What else can I give you? If you don't put your, all your hopes on the flowers but like, don't mind having green, attractive foliage, there's a plant called Akuba. It's very shade tolerant. Has it's the called gold spot plant or, or gold dust plant, and the leaves are very green, glossy, about four inches long and a couple inches wide, with gold spots all over them. So Akuba is another plant that grows in eighty percent shade pretty well and has the foliage not much flowers to speak of though. Uh, so we got, all right. Yeah, I don't mind having green there as long as I got something that yeah. that puts a little color in. I couldn't go grass there, so I decided I'd just uh, plant something. And I knew better than to put the knockouts there. They yeah. do live, but they don't. Yeah. Uh, they don't do good, and I knew they would. But uh, the ash sounds like uh, maybe. Well, I've heard of them. I'm not familiar with them. Uh, but uh, that sounds good. All right. So the two that I mentioned for listeners who came in halfway through the conversation: two shade tolerant plants, attractive in really dense shade. One is Pieris, P-I-E-R-I-S, Pieris. The other is Akuba. And either one, usually you can find them at nurseries around pretty easily. So look around, Pieris or Akuba, either one should do fine for you. Well, thank you so much. You bet you, John. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. You bet. We'll see you. We got Jerry in Stone Mountain joining us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jerry, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Hey, man, I'm all right. What's up? Well, I've got three native azalea plants in the woods behind my house. Yeah. Uh, I want to move them up into my yard where I can enjoy them. All three of them have a single stem that comes off the ground about three feet. Yeah. And then all the limbs are right at the, all the little branches are right at the top. Right. So they're not attractive plants like they are. I'm wondering if I can... If I cut that single stem down low, will it grow back into more of a bush? 
Not really. They want to be the shape that you're seeing now, Jerry. They want to, if you go to Callaway Gardens when their native azaleas are blooming there, many of them there are single or maybe two stems, but they grow up about three feet with not many leaves on them. And then above that, a lot of foliage and the big bright yellow and orange flowers and and things on them. But the native azaleas are not meant to be a low-growing bush. They would prefer to be like you're seeing, four or five feet tall with a lot of foliage on top, not much on bottom. Okay. All right. Well, that's the question I had. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to take what they want to do and let them do that and enjoy what you got. And, you know, Jerry, there's other things you could plant underneath that would be attractive. You could plant autumn fern, for instance. Autumn fern, easy to find at garden centers. It's evergreen. It would hide the bottom of the native azalea. It would be real pretty because of the greenery all year long. Autumn fern is not a bad choice at all. Or, you know, if you really want to just repeat the azalea environment, just get a Japanese azalea, which the 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 Japanese small-leaf azaleas are all going to be bushes, and they'll stay, some of them anyway, will stay around two or three feet tall and be around. You can put them around your native azalea, too. Yeah, well, I don't mind them being tall. It's just the one single stick with a little ball of... Uh, yeah. Branches on top just doesn't seem very attractive. I have some oconies yeah. that are that are really nice, yeah. and and I have some Piedmonts that are nice. If you move these to uh, more sun, after you, you know, if you just move them out, there's a possibility they'll branch a little bit more, Jerry, and may a little more fuller than they are. I don't think it'll be great, but I'm also not really a fan of trying to prune them down low and make them try to bush out because I don't think they respond all that well to pruning. Okay. Well, I appreciate that very much. All right. Good talking to you, Jerry. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Alongside my roommate David Payne shaking a tail feather to Aretha Franklin when I was in college. Let me call out some more names. May Payne, his cousin. What about Fly. Yo, good girl. Fly lives. He was in there dancing. Ann Dukes was in there dancing. Yes, she was indeed. I can name some more names. Bill Bradbury. Oh my gosh. Whole bunches of people running around that living room dancing to Aretha Franklin when I was in college. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. The weather today and tomorrow is identical to each other. Likely showers, not all day long, but some of the showers this afternoon, some showers later in the evening. High today of low 85, high today of 85, low of 71. Tomorrow, high of 85 and a low of 71. And your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes with News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Let's go to, let's see, Ray in Sandy Springs. Hey, Ray, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How can I help, Ray? Well, I have a large fig bush that quadrupled in size this mm-hmm. year because I guess all the rain. Yep, sure. And it's falling down. It's <laughs> literally uh, outweighing its root system or yeah. whatever. And I wonder, I've uh, harvested all the fruit. I wonder if I can 
start cutting that back now in order to keep it from just basically pulling itself up. Some, you can't. I would give it the... The percentage I usually use, right, is if you if you can remove 25% or less of the foliage on a tree, shrub, bush, whatever you got big, during the growing season, it doesn't hurt the plant particularly. So go out and look at it and say, if I cut that limb there and that limb over there, this limb up here, that's about 25% of the total foliage and stop, then yeah. you're, you can do that right now, sure. Okay. And, you know, the way that there's thousands of different ficus um, species in the world, Ray, and a lot of them propagate or, or spread themselves, I guess, by doing exactly what yours is doing, touching the ground, rooting themselves, falling over, touching something else, rooting themselves, falling over. And that's how they slowly spread. Some of the vines, of course, spread up into trees, and they can fall out of the trees and spread themselves, too. So your plant is doing what it wants to do to spread itself around. It's just that Ray doesn't want it to spread quite that far like it's, like it's trying to do. They do get big. They get huge. It's 728 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 735, 72.2 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I am here to help you do whatever you want to do in your landscape. You decide what you want to do. I'll help you do it or not do it. You decide. If you don't want to do anything in your landscape, call me and tell me why, and I'll tell you that's a good idea. More lazy landscapers, more lazy gardeners. That's what we need in this world, I think, personally. Let's go to, let's see, JR is out in Riverdale and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, JR, good morning. JR, where are you? JR. I think JR has somehow lost the ability to be connected to us. Let's put him back on hold and go to John in Brazelton, Georgia. John in Brazelton, good morning. Hey, Walter. Hey, John. Good morning. What's up? Um, I'm, I've been fighting a fungus in my lawn all summer, and I've, I've been using the granular Got it. applications. Got it. And it, it's getting really expensive. <laughs> it works for, you know, three or four weeks like the instruction say, says, but it keeps coming back. Mm. And I have a uh, toe-behind sprayer, and I was wondering if there was a, a liquid concentrate that I could get that would be a little bit more economical until I get it under control. Yeah, but John, if you've been fighting it all summer long, it sounds like you're not quite under control now. Why? What right. What symptoms do you see? Tell me a little bit more about the disease. Uh, the leaves start getting uh, brown spots on them. Right. And, you know, eventually goes down to the root and it, uh, you know, kills kills the grass. And I'll have uh, air spots just yeah. start coming into the yard. And I've, I've plug aerated and reseeded. And I'll get some growth coming back. And then the fungus seems to, to come back. Hmm. Now, I think the root cause is uh, myself. I just put the lawn in a, a couple of years ago, and yeah. I used some field straw that had been in a barn a couple of years. And I yeah. Think it 
I don't know necessarily if that's the cause of it. Any yeah. disease, let's start at the very, very beginning of lawn diseases or any disease for that matter. You got to have three things for a disease to express itself. You got to have, well, the disease spore, the fungi that starts the disease, got to have that present, certainly. You got to have yeah. a susceptible plant. Some of your plants, some grasses are not susceptible to some diseases and some are. So spore, plant. And the third thing is the right environment for that fungi to express itself and start attacking the leaves. And there are several diseases on lawns, John, that are more the result of too much water, too little water, too little fertilizer, too much fertilizer, mm -hmm. all those environmental things, some of which you can control, some of which you can't easily control. So make sure, John, that your, that your environmental stuff is right. Make sure there's no low spots, for instance. Low spots are the death of grass because grass hates soggy roots. Right. Make sure you're fertilizing appropriately for the grass you have. You have a fescue Bermuda mix, I think you said. So yes. um, that's a little tough to fertilize because yeah. obviously you don't fertilize fescue in the summertime. You don't fertilize Bermuda in the wintertime. So you right. have to sort of make a choice of how best to fertilize um, that. If you're fertilizing fescue in the summer and the spots that are dying are mostly fescue, that would explain a lot because fescue fertilized in summer gets a lot of lush growth. We had a lot of rain, a lot of lush growth on fescue, very susceptible to brown patch and a couple of other diseases. So that could be the whole problem is mostly the fescue that's dying as a result of fertilizing the Bermuda grass and the rain in combination just gives you a great environment for disease. And yeah. Hard to stop that if you've got everything working against you. So yeah. the bottom question you had, though, John, I recognize was, is there a liquid form of fungicide that you can spray? <laughs> yes, there are. Um, there, what are you using now on the, on the lawn, John? I've been using uh, the granular stuff I've been getting at the big box stores. Yeah. Uh, there's two, two brands there, and I've used both of them. But like I said, it's, it's getting real expensive nothing nothing's cheap all the fungicides yeah. are complicated to make and so as a result yeah. they're going to cost some money um one option would be to go online you might want to go to my website you know okay. i'll tell you even before that john one of the things you can really do to help yourself is to diagnose which fungus you have because some fungicides are effective on some diseases and some not so much you ought to start there by figuring out what okay. you have. And that is easy to do. It costs you 10 bucks, but that's not too expensive at all. Call the local Extension, University of Georgia Extension office and say, how do I submit a disease sample? They give you some directions on how to get a plug of grass and on the edge of the diseased area and bring it in on a Monday morning and they'll send it off to the disease lab in Athens and they'll have you an answer by Friday. Say, so you have okay. this, you have this and you need to fix it this way and give you the fungicides that are most effective against that particular disease, that really starts you out on the right foot. Okay. Yeah, and it, it doesn't seem to be affecting the uh, Bermuda as much as it does the uh, fescue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's that's and sort of what I've I've, I've done everything that I've, I've heard over the years. You know, I clean my deck after every, Good. every mowing. I sharpen the blades after every third mowing. Great. Good, John. It, uh, concrete's looking pretty good right now, but <laughs> I don't want that. AstroTurf and concrete could be working. Yeah. Let's, all right, let's diagnose it first, and once you okay. have a diagnosis for sure, then treat it with a fungicide, and then you can use liquid or granular, either one, but uh, use the right one for the disease yeah. that you have.
Okay. All right. And the number, of course, for the local office for you would be 1-800-ASK-UGA, number, number one. Ask UGA one. Dial that on your phone, and uh, it'll connect you right today. It'll connect you with the office, and they'll say, we're not here now. This is the weekend. But you leave yeah. a message and say, call John on Monday and let me know about diseases on lawns, and they'll call you back. Okay. Thank you very much. You bet, John. Thanks so much for calling. Get that number for everybody who wants to call the local extension office, Master Gardeners and University of Georgia trained extension agents, 1-800-ASK-UGA-1. It's 7.42, and let's give uh, Mike in Dallas a turn. Hey, Mike, good morning. Morning, Walt. Morning, Mike. What's up? Well, I have this problem every year, and I could usually get it under control with BT, but uh, it got ahead of me this time. I have some, look, they're a little small. I've never seen them over a quarter of an inch long. They're sort of green, translucent, look almost like slugs. Okay. They get on my plum tree leaves and huh. skeletonize the leaves. Ah. I bet you that the BT won't work because I bet you don't have caterpillars. Those look like caterpillars, is my theory, but they may well be sawfly larvae. And sawfly larvae are not caterpillars, and the BT will not kill them. And okay. that may be the reason the BT is not working for you. Well, maybe. Well, so. Um, if you see these little slug-like creatures and they're skeletonizing the leaves, it sounds exactly like softfly damage to roses, to hibiscus. Uh, there's several plants, and I guess you be oh, oak trees. I saw all of oak trees last week. Um, so the stuff to use, frankly, any contact insecticide, including insecticidal soap, would kill softfly, slug, larvae, whatever you call it, as long as you get it underneath the leaf, because that's where they mostly are, is underneath the leaves. Okay. So if you can spray as high as you can get in the tree without getting the spray on yourself, of course, do it on a calm day, and try to get under the leaves, and you should knock out a bunch of them. Okay. Okay. Look, so they will. They will completely. They will eat every leaf on the tree if you don't. Skeletonize is a very, very good descriptive word for what softfly larvae do. Go online if you want to see some pictures and see if that's what you have. But that's what I bet is going on: softfly larvae eating the backside of the leaf. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Good talking to you, Mike. Thanks for calling. Let's see who comes next in here. Carol. Carol's out in Marietta in Cobb County and joins us. Hey, Carol, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Um, I have a red maple tree that I had planted in my backyard uh, about a year and a half ago, and right now it's probably somewhere between 10 and 15 feet tall. And I noticed from the beginning the very center, the central branch in the top is was leaning over, and I thought over time it would stand up, but yeah, it's not it doing that. Okay. So what do I do to not make the tree look ugly? Are you comfortable <laughs> climbing, or... climbing a ladder, Carol? Yeah. All right, yeah. good, because you what you're going to do right now is to go out. Okay. Uh, there's two things you'll be doing. One is just to sort of examine it from more close up than, than standing on the ground. And sometimes this takes your own intuition, and because you're a woman, you have superior intuition to me, certainly. And so your intuition will tell you if there's one limb that's really the tallest one, that if you cut it, it would still allow the the trunk to straighten up a little bit, take the weight off, obviously, and um, let it straighten up all by itself. Or you may combine that, or you may do it all by itself. Take a strong dowel, like a broomstick maybe, or something like that. You go to a garden center, or no, not a garden center, but a hardware store, 
and get a dowel, a half inch to three quarter inch dowel and some strips of cloth and tie those to the leaning over part of the tree to make a splint. You can mm -hmm. even do it, I guess, out of a straight piece of uh, limb from some other plant that has straight limbs on it. But it's to use the cloth to tie it to the, to the trunk and straighten things out. And with a little judicious pruning to remove some weight on the limb, straighten things up. And within a year or two, it should be pointing to the sky. Okay, and so do I anchor that, that piece of wood, the dowel, into the ground or just up just against tie the trunk? Just up against the trunk, just tie it to the trunk, two or three or four places with the, again, broad cotton cloth I prefer because cotton, if you forget and never get it back on the ladder again, at least it decomposes pretty quickly and falls out of the tree and you don't have that cotton cloth eating into the bark of your, or the trunk of your, of your tree there. So cotton much better than using nylon or something like that. Okay, and I've noticed that there's some um, sprouts at, at the lower part of the tree, pretty low to the ground. Yeah. It wouldn't harm the tree to cut them back, would it, to no. limit up a little? No, limit up's fine. A little, okay. They're going to get shaded out anyway over the next, you know, next year or two or three, so there's no reason why to keep them on the tree particularly now. They'll get shaded out. Okay. All right, well, thanks a lot. It's great Appreciate talking it. to you. Thanks for calling, Carol. Bye. Don't forget, tomorrow is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Sunday edition. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, good fun because they're going to talk a full issue on cybersecurity and what we're doing to uh, get the voting machines in Georgia to actually record our votes accurately, what local, local governments are doing now to guarantee no one hacks the vote in November. It is all the news you need, plus $240 in coupon savings this Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Incredible, compelling, complete. It's all you need to know on Sunday. The Atlanta AJC. At 747, we'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the Lawn and Garden advice you need. Yes, it is Dwayne Allman back there with Miss Franklin. Yes, indeed it is. The house that we lived in in Athens, David Harding, Payne, and myself, had chicken wire over the windows. We asked our neighbors, why? Why the chicken wire over the windows? And this was not in the nice side of town in Athens. They said, well, that was where the landlord put the wire over the windows because they tried to firebomb this house last year during the riots. And we thought, well... Let's be friends with our neighbors here. Everybody, everybody be cool. We want you to have good neighbors, and everybody loves Aretha Franklin. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Likely showers, thunderstorms sometime during the day, but not all over Atlanta completely. High of 85, low of 71. Same tomorrow, high of 85, low of 71. To full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Jackie is in Buckhead and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jackie, good morning. Hey, Walter. Hey, How Jackie. are you? I'm doing great. What you got? Or what don't you got? What don't <laughs> you have? I have a seven-year-old fig tree that's about seven feet tall, mm -hmm. and um, it has one fig uh, mm. that is was ripe, but I ate it. <laughs> 
At least it wasn't green and fell off and you didn't get any figs. So you're one to the good. Right. <sighs> what can I do differently? you got to tell me, if you know, Jackie, what variety of fig this is. I don't. I'm sorry. It is possible. It is possible that this is a West Coast fig that requires a fig wasp to pollinate it. The East Coast figs, brown turkey and celeste, do not require wasps, and so your neighbors with a brown turkey and a celeste variety fig get all they can eat every year. And the West Coast fig may if that's what you have, which we don't know, may just simply not get pollinated. And the, and the flower on a fig, Jackie, is very, very tiny. It's a little bitty bump, really, that starts out on the limb of a tree, and the flowers develop inside that bump. So the fruit of any fig, the flowers are inside the fig fruit itself. You don't see a multi-petal flower like a coneflower or petunia or something like that. If there's no mm -hmm. pollination, you have no development of the fruit, and Jackie doesn't get any figs. Well, uh, I haven't seen any um, of what you described. Any bumps on there? Yeah. Um, identifying figs is a very confusing science. I cannot say that I can even come close sometimes to what fig it is. I maybe, maybe not. If you want to go on my website, there's a... Ray Gibbon was a guy who I used to know who had a lot of pages on his own website about how to identify figs. Go on my WalterReeves.com website, Jackie, and look at the page that says Figs Identifying. That's what it says, Figs Identifying. And look at some of the pictures of the leaves there and see if any of those leaves look like your leaves. And maybe if you see, oh, man, that's a Canadria fig. That's a mission fig. It's one of the West Coast figs. Maybe that'll give you a clue about why yours is not producing and why you just may need to, may need to replace it. It's 7.58 at News Talk WSB. More Lawn and Garden after news.